Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Amen. And so, uh, Joseph's life uh, has many parallels to end-time prophetic events, and also uh, his life is a foreshadowing of the life of Jesus, the life of Yeshua. And so, even though uh, Joseph, Yosef in Hebrew, Yosef, uh, is one of Jacob's sons, Yaakov, Uh, had uh, all these sons, 12 sons, God set Joseph apart from all the other brothers uh, and from Israel. He was in exile in Egypt, set apart, uh, uh, being alienated for uh, over 20 years. Uh, And uh, in addition, uh, this concept of being set apart is the fact that there's no tribe directly named after Joseph. That honor was given to his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and we may get into that in a couple weeks when that comes up. But uh, similarly, Jesus, Yeshua, was born Jewish. All right. He was raised Jewish. He was an observant Jewish rabbi. He was more than just that bumper sticker when we were growing up. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. <laughs> the Jewish rabbi. Okay. And, uh, and so, but he was set apart from Israel. Right now, most of Israel don't recognize Yeshua. They're looking for the coming of a Messiah. They believe in the concept of the Messiah. The Messiah is a Jewish idea to begin with. That didn't come out of Christianity. That came out of Judaism, and so did Christianity. And so the Messiah is coming, but right now uh, the timing isn't quite right for that. A lot of that, as we've learned from Pastor Larry's teaching on reading the signs of God, is that uh, Israel and uh, our Jewish brothers are going to realize a lot of this during the tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, And so the Messiah is set apart from Israel until the very end. And then you'll see this uh, great coming together. Uh, Romans 11 says, If if, uh, you're celebrating as Gentiles and the Jews are not uh, uh, celebrating the Messiah in the same way, just think about how epic it will be when all of us get it together. And Romans 11 speaks of that. So uh, as we get into this, let's begin by just looking at the Hebrew meaning of uh, Yosef's name, which is God will add. That's Joseph's Hebrew name, and that's what it means. God will add, or God will increase. And you can see just from his name that God has something unique planned. And uh, uh, the life of Joseph has something to do with God's plan for adding on. All right? And so like Jesus himself, 
Joseph's life is symbolic of adding on something. And the key there is adding on the Gentiles to the revelation and covenants that God established through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's an adding on. And that adding on is you will be a light to the Gentile nations. And so uh, Joseph brought that to the table. Jesus brought that to the table. Another way of speaking of adding on is being grafted in. Anybody ever heard the term grafted in? Romans 11. Uh, Church, you're grafted in to Israel. That's the message Paul gives us there. And uh, all of that happened uh, in Joseph's life. By virtue of what he accomplished living in a Gentile country, a pagan country, that didn't understand any of this, and that country was Egypt. Uh, And so, uh, you look back at Joseph's life, he not only became the viceroy, the vice president, the key administrating chief financial officer of Egypt, uh, there was more to his story that we don't often think about. His wife was the daughter of an Egyptian priest. Hmm. He married into a pagan religious system in Egypt. And he had every opportunity to assimilate into a foreign pagan religious system, but he didn't. Glory be to God. He maintained his close connection with his Jewish identity. And even though he appeared to be an Egyptian, he wasn't. He might have walked like an Egyptian. (laughs) But he didn't become an Egyptian. Why? Because there was a quality in Joseph, a righteous quality in Joseph, that you and I want to emulate. Right? He had a quality of righteousness, a quality of faithfulness, a quality of devotion to his Jewish heritage. And in reality, because of that, he ensured the survival and the salvation of the Jewish people. Had Joseph messed up, he had lots of opportunities to throw in the towel, abandon his faith, and just start living like the world. But he fought all of those temptations off, and God elevated him. And uh, what a a message for you and I. Amen? Uh, The point, well, it points to uh, just how much uh, difference one life can make. Your life can make a difference. It's hard sometimes to see how can my life make a difference. I feel so down in the dumps. I don't feel like I'm strong enough in the Lord. I don't have all the answers. I'm sometimes I'm battling with strife and confusion, my past with sin with te- and all of these things. Forget about all of that. You are called by the Lord to be an overcomer and you will overcome. You were created to win. And you will win. The key thing is keep walking it out. Uh, In the 12-step program, one day at a time. One day at a time. And pretty soon, as you get into the habit of living for God and all the things that support that habit, you'll be addicted to Jesus just like me. 
Anybody here addicted to Jesus? Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and so your life makes a difference when you're faced with all of these personal choices and you make the right choice. And the reason you make the right choice is because you listen to the right voice. And we need that right now. While our culture is going insane, we need not to just uh, uh, pick up an AR-15 and hit the streets. <laughs> we need to get on our knees and pray, God, heal our land. God, I pray for my nation. God, do something to turn this madness around and cause there to be a great revival and spiritual awakening in the land. Amen. Amen. And so Joseph had these qualities, and Jesus himself brought these qualities, uh, and so uh, we appreciate that. Now, this whole idea is expanded when you consider Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who, like their father, were products of Egypt. They were birthed as a result of a mixed marriage, right? Joseph is the Jew, his wife is the Gentile, the Egyptian uh, Gentile. And so uh, part of their mission in life was to rediscover their true spiritual identity. And they had to realize, look, we can't be Gentiles worshiping pagan foreign gods. Uh, in effect, what they had to uh, come to grips with was we have to discover our Jewish roots. Amen. And so uh, all of this uh, you know, happens over time, but it culminates in a few weeks when Jacob uh, on his deathbed blesses them and grafts them into the family and elevates them to become uh, tribes of Israel, the part of the 12 tribes. And so what are we saying here? We're saying that what we, when you study all of this out, it's a picture of what's happening right now. God knew that in the end days, that even though the Jews were alienated, they'd been exiled and dispersed around the world, there would be a revival and Aliyah, and they would come back to the land of Israel, reclaim their land, and never be uprooted again. And we support that. Hallelujah. But also, on the flip side, there'd be a spiritual Aliyah, where Gentiles would suddenly get it. Hey, we come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob too. Hanukkah is not just a Jewish holiday, it's a Bible holiday. And whatever revelation and blessing is in the, the Bible holidays that were formerly known, and we're not trying to steal Jewish holidays, but we're grafted in. And we're learning this revelation and we're excited about it because it's part of end time Bible prophecy. Amen? All right, so... Uh, I couldn't help but think that if Ram and Manasseh were elevated, not only because they were sons of Joseph, but because somehow they merited being elevated by what they did. 
by how they acted, by how they lived their life. Had they been a couple of brats and just grown up kind of one foot in the world and the other uh, uh, in the kingdom, maybe they don't get elevated and God does it a different way. But So they made some choices. Even as a young, young kids, they made some choices. You know what? Everybody's going this way in my neighborhood. I'm living in an Egyptian palace and no one else is really buying into the one true God revelation. And it could be because uh, uh, Pharaoh deemed it non-essential. Amen. <clears throat> so... That, that tells us uh, that the way that you live your life, the way you walk worthy of the calling of God counts. And it not only counts for you, you are probably the person, because of how you live your life with a sense of uh, integrity and nobility and honor and just a, a, a purpose that's wrapped around the Bible and wrapped around. Others see that. And you may be the one that they see even when you're not around and causes them to keep making the right decisions no matter what it looks like out there. You will be a light to the world, Jesus said. And that world begins at home. Come on, somebody. And so, uh, keep on keeping on. Amen. Uh, because this is the way the family blessing is passed down. When uh, the book of Acts says, you and your household will be saved, what does that mean? It means you took control spiritually. You know what? I am a blood-bought believer. I believe in the Bible. I don't care what others think. I'm going to be a tongue-talking, pew-jumping, praising-worshiping Christian. And that leads to some what might be considered on the surface unintended consequences. How does your life cause somebody else to get it right? God has a way of working it out. The Bible says some plant, some water, but I give the increase. And so what if it takes 20 years? That's how long Joseph was uh, enslaved, over 22 years. Well, it's just taken too long, I quit. Don't do that. Don't think that way. That's a lie of the devil to get you to stop living for the Lord. You need to find whatever you got to do, find it. Find that inner strength. Whatever you got, if you got to be in a three day fast, sometimes these things don't come out except by prayer and fasting. Oh, help me, somebody. You just have to have that. Look. I lived for the devil 17 years, uh, and uh, I got some fond memories, but a lot of my memories were, uh, that, that I think back on were going to lead me to H-E-double-L. <laughs> so when I, when I found Jesus, actually Jesus wasn't lost. When Jesus found me, I was lost. 
I had a decision to make, and the first decision I made was to receive Him as my Lord and Savior. The second decision I made was to be filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to pray in tongues. I made a commitment at the altar that day, March 11, 1984, and then when I went home, I opened up the toilet and dumped down all my marijuana, all my cocaine, all my booze down the toilet and flushed it and said, I ain't going back to that. I've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. Now, sometimes you think it's one and done. And in a way it is one and done. But that first decision doesn't necessarily mean you won't have to decide that 500 additional times. (laughs) Or 10,000 additional times. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. So, Joseph's name means adding on. And it reveals a prophetic destiny. Uh, And I couldn't help but think there's another uh, man in the Bible who was a Midianite priest. Moses' father, Jethro, Yitro. And his name means the same thing, adding on. And in both cases, part of the teaching and the revelation there is God is revealing a deeper truth in that Gentiles are meant to be added on to the revelation and the covenants that come through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now Yeshua. This is what Paul calls being grafted in, Romans 11. Now, Yeshua uh, means salvation in Hebrew. Yeshua means salvation. Usually we use the Greek word sozo. You've heard that, but uh, the Hebrew word is Yeshua or Yahshua, uh, Joshua. And uh, through Yeshua, through what he accomplished, uh, Gentiles were added into the covenants. And we need to see this. It's established uh, in one of the great chapters in all the Bible, Ephesians 2, which talks about the one new man. And uh, I got this, uh, I I didn't write, I think this is the New Living Testament. It says, Ephesians 2.11, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. What does that mean? Just what it says. You used to be, we used to be outsiders. Outsiders to what? Verse 12, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. A lot of the church still struggles with what covenant promises did God make because of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph. He says you lived in this world without God, without hope. But now you have been united with Christ. And once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Jesus. What a perspective. And we're gaining that perspective. We've got a lot to appreciate uh, in our Jewish heritage. If you go into Ancestry.com and you could get all the way back uh, 4,000 years ago, you'd find Abraham is your father. Whoa! Pictures included. Amen. 
Now there's a related but little known fact in that Pharaoh also gave Joseph a name. He gave him an Egyptian name, Zavnat Panesh, he who reveals hidden things. When Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, it blew him away because these were some heavy dreams that would affect the whole world. And so he said, you're the one that reveals secrets, the hidden things. In, a, in later definitions, even in Christianity, it was expanded. Joseph's uh, Egyptian name was expanded to mean salvation of the age. Wow. What an insight. Now that we, we can understand that not only did Jesus come, to save the world from their sins. Joseph brought as a foreshadowing of Jesus a certain level of salvation and survival himself. Amen? And so it's all leading us, this revelation, it's leading us to this end-time understanding of Jews and Christians coming together. And so you look at all of this, you see, okay, Joseph it parallels Jesus. Jesus parallels Joseph. You can go through a great list uh, and see uh, how everything relates and connects. Both were called beloved by their fathers. Both were despised by their brothers. Both suffered as part of a predetermined plan of God. They were both 30 years old when they entered the ministry. They were both persecuted out of jealousy and envy and hate. They were both rejected. They were both falsely accused. Both of them were the target of a conspiracy to kill them. They were both thrown in a pit. We've been in the pit in, uh, in Jerusalem uh, where uh, you go down and it, it's just the most incredible thing to think that our Lord and Savior was held uh, in Caiaphas's house in this uh, incredibly deep pit, dark, dark, and you know now of course it's all lit up and it's not that bad, but you can imagine back then. Both were sold to Gentiles for silver coins. Both were stripped of their clothing. Both were tempted, but without sin. Hallelujah. Both were condemned as criminals. Yet both gave hope to criminals. Both betrayers felt remorse. The brothers, Judas, right? Both were considered dead. Both suffered greatly to bring salvation to many. Both were not recognized by their brothers. Both stories have a substitutionary sacrifice component. Both forgave those who wronged them. Hallelujah. Both knew that the evil that was done to them would turn into a big blessing. Even Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. Both stories end with great reconciliation. Both are seen as the revealer of secrets. Both provide bread to the world. Joseph physically, Jesus spiritually. Amen. Both are highly exalted. 
You get to heaven, Joseph is going to be like, that dude, right? he's a hero. <laughs> and both stories end with them as rulers. Hallelujah. So amazing connections, aren't they? And look, there's even more. When you look at the life of Yosef through Jewish eyes, you find some very interesting comments in their literature. Uh, and what you'll find is that Jewish theology, Christmas, uh, Christian theology concerning the Messiah aren't that far apart. Again, a lot of times we don't realize that uh, the Messiah is a Jewish idea. Okay? Uh, and in ancient Jewish literature, Yosef is seen as a type of Messiah. Uh, and it all leads us into, we'll get into just a little of this, the two Messiah teaching. Uh, in Jewish literature and uh, in, in their theology, there's two messiahs. One is called Messiah ben David, David, King David, from the lineage of David. And he's seen as the conquering king. But the other messiah in Jewish literature isn't thought of uh, as much Messiah ben Yosef, uh, Messiah son of Joseph, who is seen in Jewish theology as a suffering servant. Now when most Jews think of the Messiah, they generally think of Messiah ben David, Mashiach ben David. Messiah, son of David, who came out of the tribe of Judah, the Lion of Judah, who will rule and reign in the Messianic era in this world to come. And this is part what we're going to learn from Pastor, and he got into this a little bit. Jesus came uh, first as the Lamb of God, but he's returning as the lion of Judah. Two different manifestations. The first manifestation is as the suffering servant, the lamb led to slaughter. The second manifestation, ah, now we're talking about conquering king. He is the king of the jungle, as lions are uh, referred to. And so... Uh, most Jews think of only Messiah ben David, especially 2,000 years ago. When the Lord first came, he wasn't recognized by his brothers, and especially the brothers in leadership. We don't necessarily uh, have time to get into all of this, but... Uh, there, is, uh, there are uh, many scriptures that show there was a great revival amongst the Jews following the resurrection of Jesus. Jews were getting saved by the tens of thousands. Acts 20, I believe it is, said myriads of Jews. A myriad is 10,000. Myriads of Jews, look it up, uh, were zealous for the Torah and believed Yeshua was the Messiah. So, uh, uh, but leadership wasn't, uh, look, we see this in our government today. Uh, 
government leaders, politicians, aren't so uh, anxious to give up their power. And actually, many of them are looking for what? Absolute power. And as we're seeing, absolute power, what? Corrupts absolutely. And so it was back then, right? You're running the temple. You're in charge of sacrifices. Basically, you're in charge of whether people's sins are forgiven or not. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're saying, well, all of that's changing now. You're out. Yeshua's was in. Ah, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> so uh, as time passed, the revelation of revelations that Jesus is the Messiah got lost. And because the Bible and Jewish tradition gives two completely different pictures of the Messiah with two completely different missions, there's always been a debate among rabbinical scholars on which Messiah would come. And some of that morphed into uh, maybe only one of the two Messiahs will come. In uh, one uh, uh, statement in uh, ancient Jewish wisdom, it says, If the people of Israel will be righteous, the Messiah will come in the clouds of heaven. If they will not be righteous, he will come as a poor man riding on a donkey. Right? You see both Messiahs there. Uh, Zechariah was said to have prophesied, Concerning Messiah ben Yosef, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy king cometh unto thee! He is just and has salvation lowly in riding upon a colt. So, this is all going on way back in the time of Jesus. They're thinking this through. And it was finally decided, generally, there must be two Messiahs. Messiah ben Joseph, Messiah ben David. One would come as a suffering servant, one would come as a conquering king. And I found this is one of the most amazing uh, teachings from ancient Jewish wisdom. It says, the Messiah descended from Joseph will appear first. To bring salvation to the Jewish people. However, he will be killed. Jewish teaching. And the full redemption will be brought about solely through the Messiah descending from David. In the period of the Messiah descending from Joseph, death and sin will continue to exist. Wow. You can see from a Christian vantage point and Christian theology how all of that is true with the first coming and how all of that will change through the second coming. And then just to uh, finish this off, the period of the Messiah descending from David will usher in a new natural order in which death and sin will have no place. This is Jewish teaching, folks. But it tells us right now, you know, one of the reasons, like, why were the disciples so confused at the crucifixion of the Lord? Why was all of Israel confused about the death of Jesus? 
basically because they had narrowed everything down to the conquering king will come and save us from the occupation of the Roman Empire. They're going to deliver us physically. But in reality, Jesus came first to deliver Israel and all mankind from the spiritual sin and death. That's why he went to the gates of hell, stomped on the devil's head, and took back the keys. Amen? So the concept of a suffering Messiah, Messiah ben Yosef. We're talking about the story of Joseph and his life and what it represents, how it points to Jesus, how it relates to Bible prophecy and an understanding of God's master plan of salvation. Joseph is a picture of the suffering servant. But that's revelation has been lost. It's, I wish we had more time, but Jesus himself actually unravels some of this mystery in Luke 24 after he resurrects. And he's on the road to Emmaus. And on the road to Emmaus, some of the disciples are walking and talking. It's recorded in Luke 24. They're perplexed. How could our Lord and Savior be crucified and dead? They couldn't understand how the conquering king could be defeated. And so Jesus comes and they don't recognize him. And all of a sudden he says to them, This is what I meant when I was still with you and told you that everything written about me in the Torah of Moshe, the prophets and the Psalms, had to be fulfilled. I spent three and a half years explaining this to you, and you forgot? Oh, we're leaky vessels, but let's not forget. Then he opened their minds. I'm always fascinated by how that works. How does Jesus open our minds so that we understand the Scriptures? It takes some effort, folks. If all we are is Sunday morning quarterback, Monday morning quarterbacks, And we're really not in it to win it, but we just come because that ain't going to cut it. Especially as the days of judgment approach. Being a carnal, casual Christian isn't going to play very well when you're standing before the Lord. Get stirred up, get on fire, let the word of the Lord and your, your relationship be with the Lord be like a fire that's shut up in your bones. Amen? He opened their minds so they could understand the Tanakh telling them, here is what it says, the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And then it goes on from there. Amazing, right? And, uh, and so you and I are part of the light to the world that keeps trying to explain this stuff. We're trying to explain this so people get a new understanding of the master plan of God at the end times. And part of that master plan, yes, people are going to be saved, sins are going to be uh, forgiven, but also... We need to understand that there's a way through our life, through our work, that we're uh, uh, announcing to Israel and to all the nations of the world that Yeshua is the Messiah. Amen. Amen? 
And so we're not that far apart from our Jewish brothers. We believe that both Messiahs that the Jews speak about are one and the same. <laughs> They're one and the same. He came the first time and he came. That's what's revealed in the, the spring holidays, the fall holidays, right? Two uh, comings of the Lord. And so just as Joseph was finally revealed to the Jewish people, his brothers, as a type of Messiah and Savior, so too will Yeshua be revealed as both Mashiach ben Yosef, Messiah ben Joseph, and Mashiach ben David, Messiah ben David. And that's all building right now as we speak and our ministry is involved with help building towards this epic moment man you got to feel good that i'm involved with something more than just you know i went to church you know if that's all you got if like the guy in the end zone with the john 316 if that's all you got is john 316 that'll be enough but I don't want to live all the year. What if, what if the, the Lord tarries for 7, 10, 15, 20? And you don't want to be the one that... Uh, Scott, all those years and all you got is John three sixteen. I expected a little bit more out of you. And so why have I been in this ministry for 30 years? Because I understand this stuff. And there are not many ministries that understand this stuff. And I want to be a part of tearing down walls of division. I want to be a part of restoring trust between Jews and Christians. I want to be a part of bringing reconciliation, bringing love, bringing unity. I want to help teach people to honor and respect our Jewish heritage. And then I know as that happens, Paul's prophecy in Romans 11 is going to be fulfilled. And he said in verse 25, and I'll end with this, Brothers, I want you to understand this truth, which God formerly concealed, but is now revealed, so that you won't imagine you know more than you actually do. Don't be so big in your britches that you think you know more about God's plan than I do, Paul is saying. It is that stoniness to a degree that has come upon Israel until the Gentile world enters into fullness. The fullness of the Gentiles. Now many of us believe that happened in 1967 when the Jews reclaimed Jerusalem. It signaled an end to the Gentile reign and occupation. And that is in this way that all Israel will be saved. 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 It's coming. It's happening. But it's not going to happen because I go down to uh, Ben Yuda Street with a sign, Turn or burn! <laughs> Boy, how, how's that? method of evangelism working <laughs> you're like vinegar <laughs> and it goes on from there look I, I i've kept you a little longer than i intended but that's what we're a part of 
And Joseph's life points to the Messiah, and both had brought a measure of salvation. Jesus, obviously, the ultimate and eternal salvation that we love and cherish and respect. So there you have it. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. And God bless you.